you are now entering the Podglomerate. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Plus 7 Intelligence, the show about how games impact people. My name is Chess. When I talk about the impact of video games, I often worry that people aren't going to buy into the idea that games could be influencing the world in a positive way. Today's topic is one of my favorites because it is a clear example of games helping people in a unique way. And there's even some evidence to back up exactly how much it's helping. And it's all thanks to a community of gamers who wanted to make a difference. Today I'm talking with Travis Erickson about the charity Child's Play. All right, I'm here with Travis Erickson. He is a partner relations guy for Child's Play, a charity that donates, among other things, video games to hospitals. So welcome to the show, Travis. Thank you for having me. How did you find yourself come to work for a charity like Child's Play? Child's Play, actually through Child's Play in 2003 is how I met uh, Mike Krahulik of Penny Arcade, and we became good friends. And uh, about a year ago now, I had the opportunity, I was a middle school math teacher and, and engineering teacher before I started working at Child's Play. And about a year ago, when this position opened up, they came to me and said, we have this opening and we think you'd be the right person. And um, I, I really enjoyed teaching, but I knew that this would be an opportunity that would close off if I didn't take it. And uh, I jumped in and have have really enjoyed this last year working at Child's Play. It's been uh, a big learning experience, but also amazing to see the impact. I knew what Child's Play did, uh, was involved with it, but see the impact from the inside on on everything that Child's Play is involved in. What does your job entail? We really at Child's Play were two and a half people that that do the whole process. So we kind of cover everything. My my main jobs are staying in contact with our hospital partners and our domestic violence shelter partners, as well as reaching out to um, companies that we've partnered with and and soliciting donations for things like our dinner auction and helping get all of that put together and those kinds of pieces. So kind of everything across the board we do. Everybody does because we're a small shop. Why was uh, Child's Play founded in the first place? Um, back in 2003, there was some bad press around video games. There was the the argument that you know video games make people antisocial and violent and and are just sort of a bad situation that kids are doing and not getting outside and not interacting with people and. Mike and Jerry of Penny Arcade, Gabe and Tycho, knew that to be different. They had lots of fans that read their webcomic that they interacted with, and they knew that they were good people. Video games didn't make them violent or antisocial. And so they decided in November of 2003 to do a toy drive for Seattle children. And they filled a one-car garage like a perfect Tetris puzzle, just packed floor-to-ceiling, wall-to-wall, and uh, had to get a storage unit because their fans responded so much to this to this call and donated donated all those toys to Seattle Children's Hospital and then realized there's a 
there's a thing here. Let's make this happen. And from there, Child's Play became official and started bringing on partner hospitals all across the United States. And we have 135 partner hospitals now, um, about 115 in the United States and another, another 20 or so outside the United States, Canada and UK and Egypt and Australia and New Zealand. So we're kind of all over the globe. And, um, we also have, about 110 domestic violence shelters that we partner with as well. And wow, so, that's amazing. Yeah, so it all came out of the, you know, sort of that bad press with games and gamers responding saying, that's not who we are. That's not what our culture is. We, we are, you know, we love playing games. This is our hobby, but we're also good people. And as a way to prove it, Child's Play has grown. And we're, you know, since 2003, we've, we've raised over $44 million and been able to, um, help a little over a million kids a year. Wow, that's amazing. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of kind of tension about what it means to be a gamer or the public perception of what it means to be uh, someone who plays video games. And a lot of times that kind of manifests as something negative, like arguing online or whatever. But it's encouraging to see that that led to a positive response instead of a negative reaction. Yeah. Rather than fighting and pushing back and trying to, you know, sling arrows, they just sat back and said, Hey, you know what? We think we could raise a bunch of toys. The, the outcry that first year in 2003 was way more than, than the guys expected. And from there, we've just continued to grow. How do you raise money with child's play and where do the donations come from? The majority of all the funds that we raise for Child's Play are all community-driven. So we have big, modern, you know, the modern telethon with streaming video games happens. So we have big events like Desert Bus that has, uh, for the last 10 years, put on a week-long show from the Loading Ready Run crew um, where they play the the Desert Bus game by Penn & Teller. And, and raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for us, which is amazing, and it's a fun event to take part in. But we also have kids doing their high school senior project that is, you know, to put together a, a charity drive of playing video games at their school, and they set up maybe in the school library, and kids come in and pay three bucks to play video games during lunch or something like that, and those people will send us $300. And so it really runs the gamut of of people putting on gaming events, putting on streams, and and all of that comes in. We look if you looked at our PayPal, sort of our average donation is about twenty bucks. So for these events, you kind of give people ideas or give people some information about how they can run their own events and their own yeah charity events. Yeah, we have, that's been one of the strengths of Child's Play. It's part of what lets us stay such a small team um, and be able to really aim all the donations right back out to the cause because there's only two and a half of us working here, um, is that we've empowered the community to set up these fundraisers to, um, there's a widget they can get that can track and sort of see uh, with Tiltify. They can tie into Twitch and show goals and and pieces like that so that they they can have that engagement with all the people watching them um, and turn around and, and help us with that fundraising side so that we get to spend our time focused on 
making sure we're supporting the hospitals appropriately, making sure we're, we're getting what um, our shelter partners need and working to um, working to create uh, tools that will help them be successful. You mentioned Desert Bus. I'm familiar with that, but can you explain what that game is for the audience? So Penn & Teller has a, a game for the Sega called Smoke and Mirrors, and inside that game, you drive a bus in the background of it, and uh, you are driving. You cannot exceed the speed of 45 miles an hour, and you're driving on the road from Tucson, Arizona to Las Vegas, Nevada, and when you get there, that's one point. You've made it. Um, and the, you're driving a bus that slightly tilts just to the right, so you can't just put it on autopilot. You just have to correct the steering as you go. And so what is the purpose of this game? <laughs> um, the game itself sort of came out of some video game controversies as well, and it was designed itself to be sort of like the most inoffensive video game possible to prove a point that not all video games were violent or or corrupting influences um and so it's there you're driving this this bus 45 miles an hour and you can't not pay attention because you'll go off the road and crash the bus (laughs) yeah so i've i've seen that this game has has been kind of the center of some charity events it's pretty hilarious to see the stories and of these streams that They'll do marathons of this game. What to do in a stream when the game itself is intentionally uninteresting? <laughs> yeah, the, the the team from Desert Bus, they, you know, the, it, when you watch their, their stream for the weekend, it's a small little part in the corner is the bus driving. That is not what's really going on. They're a, they're a comedy troupe, and um, they're doing songs and dances and taking challenges. And they also have items that people donate, um, rare rare gaming collectibles and things like that that are donated um, that people then can bid on. So it's it's your classic telethon. It's just, you know, it's your 21st century telethon. I guess back to Child's Play specifically, kind of what Child's Play is known for is donating video games. And, of course, you do a lot more than that now. But... That's how you were differentiated, at least in in my mind. So why why donate video games in the first place? Why is why is it important, and how does it help people or kids in hospitals? Well, if you think about kids these days, this is what this is what they want to be doing. You know, from from these current generations, they they are playing games with their friends. They're playing games at home, and when they're in a disruptive situation like being in a hospital long term or being in a domestic violence shelter, having a game system there with games that that are familiar to them is a way to help normalize that situation and make it feel less alien and less scary. Um, and that's really sort of was the impetus behind starting Child's Play is that understanding of, of we know as as gamers that we use games to help us when we're stressed out, when we're worried about things. They help us process problems um, while we have something else that we can focus on and not dwell on things that are really, you know, causing us stress in life. Um, and so getting those into the hands of kids was something that that Child's Play has always found to be really important. And in the last three years now, we've been working with um, EDAR. They are a research firm 
that um, looks at video games that come out and they classify the components of games. So what, what does this game have and what does this game, you know, who does this game appeal to because of the components that it has? And so they, they provide this end-to-end data analysis that looks into what makes games successful and we paired up with them to create a therapeutic video game guide, um, a recommendation guide that looks at six symptoms that we know kids face when they're, when they're in a hospital. And this is actually, you know, this, this can work for anyone anywhere. So that looks at pain. It looks at boredom, um, short-term and long-term boredom. So those are two different categories. Anxiety, hyperactivity, sadness, and cognitive impairment. And this guide was really designed to help educate child life staff on what games to pick based on what kind of things kids are facing. And there are studies out there that show playing games lowers pain scores. And there's studies out there that show, you know, playing games reduce the anxiety. So if you can have a kid play a game that will reduce their anxiety before they're going in for a big procedure, as opposed to needing to medicate them, that's a win across the board. You know, it's a win for the kid because their anxiety level goes down. They're able to go in and have the procedure done. It's a win for them because they're not medicated. And it's a win for the hospital because medicating is expensive and costly. And it's a way to to have a non-invasive non-invasive reaction to to what they're what they're facing. Well, wow, so I knew I guess because I'm a gamer, I know how games can can be helpful and the distraction can be helpful, but I didn't realize that there was kind of a codified system for which games are helpful and how and kind of some weight behind behind that idea. Yeah, and when you think about, you know, games games for pain are games that work by distracting from the physical pain by engaging your brain on so many levels that you just have sort of cognitive overload. They're bright, they're colorful, they're loud, there's a lot going on, there's high energy. Um, so like arcade racers and kind of fast puzzle games are, are examples of that um, that keep you really engaged and you have to be involved in that game to be doing well. And when your brain has that cognitive overload, it doesn't focus on the pain. It focuses on these other things that you're, that you're getting into. And that was the real impetus behind the guide was to be able to help child life staff who are, I mean, we've visited, we're going to visit, we've got 15 more hospitals, I think, on our next Gamers Give Back tour here coming up. But um, over 40 hospitals and the mostly women who work in this child life industry, there are some men who do this too, but they are, they're in there because they love taking care of kids. They love helping them, um, but they're not necessarily gamers. And, you know, any game is better than no game, but with a little bit of, with a little bit of guidance, they're able to select games that can have a really meaningful impact on a patient and and help in a way that is non-invasive, that they don't need to have, you know, medication to do some of these things. That's astounding that a game, and these games, these are commercial games, right? These are ones you get off the shelf out of any store. Yeah, definitely. If you if you went to childsplaycharity.org, 
in the uh, upper right corner, you see our therapeutic video game guide link, and you could download that. It's out there. We want anybody and everybody to have it. But there, right now, our latest one is it has games for the Nintendo 3DS, the Nintendo Switch, the Xbox One, the PlayStation 4, the Vita, mobile iOS games, and then mobile Android games. So, you know, super accessible games that that hospitals can get, that parents can get, that help when these kids are facing these symptoms. Wow. And, you know, I kind of want to come back to a point because I think that even a lot of gamers may not, maybe they understand it a little bit, but they've probably never heard it before that, that these games are in many cases reducing a need for, for pain medication or some other, or you said even anxiety medication. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and when you think about when you play games, you know, when you're kind of feeling feeling down and you're feeling sad, if you can go, you know, you sort of shut yourself away for a bit and you play a game that that's improving your mood, that's giving you, you know, positive feedback into what you're doing as you're playing the game and has sort of a pleasant atmosphere, you can come away from that gaming session feeling much better, you know, and so it helps deal with sadness. The same thing with sort of anxiety or hyperactivity if you can get a game that has sort of soothing music and is calm and relaxing it helps bring bring that level of anxiety down where where it's manageable yeah and that's kind of the the flip side of one criticism of of games that that people will use their games to escape or they'll use games to retreat into themselves and avoid their problems but this is kind of the the flip side where that that same tendency of games to get you out of your own head can be something that's really positive and and helpful yeah they can offer that same escape in the way that a good book or a good movie will do that and yes games get a bad rap at times but but this guide was really something we put together and we started you know, it started as a guide to give child life staff to help them select games, but now it's a thing we give to just about anybody and everybody that we talk to. We get this guide into their hands so that they can see it, and everybody who looks at this guide goes, this makes 100% complete sense. I totally understand how these can work and what to look for. So has that guide been helpful with with people who who may have a negative perception of games and may give you pushback on on your cause. Yeah, definitely. These kinds of tools are a, are a great way to to sort of help explain and give someone, you know, having EDAR behind it so that it's it's clear that this is not just, you know, something we said, but having this recognized firm um, behind that helps put this together um, is another layer of, of validation. And... There's a lot of research going on right now in how games can be used effectively um, to manage to manage pain, to manage these symptoms. And with the with the onset of VR, there's even more, you know. And and to present to present these options, the pushback has been a lot less in in recent years. Gaming has become a much more accepted mainstream part of culture. But tools like this definitely help when someone goes, yeah, but is this really a worthy cause? You know, instead of donating money here, why don't I help donate money to, to buying a new MRI machine or things like that? Which are all great things, right? It's all, they're all tools that hospitals need. But, but to argue that, that 
a tool is ineffective when when there's definitely shown work doesn't doesn't help either side yeah and this this evidence that games help with pain management with i don't know i'm not a psychologist i don't know what you call it mood management or i guess anxiety management you know and this is with games that are off the shelf and there's also a movement to start designing games with that express purpose i think there's a game called snow world that was for that purpose i don't know yeah. if you've heard of that yeah that one's an old uh a vr game that's been around for a while but yeah to help burn victims to 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 place them in sort of an icy world where they can throw snowballs and see snowmen and do things like that and just it helps helps them feel less pain and sort of a cooling sensation even though they're you know just still in their hospital bed yeah i'm i'm i've heard of some games being designed for that purpose and that are looking into fda approval or some kind of equivalent for being a treatment or part of a treatment plan and that's really exciting to see uh, these these skills and these ideas for making games that all they were were planned to do was just to entertain people but now they're being used to help people yeah and you know there are games like have you heard of the game that dragon cancer mm-hmm you know, that's another game that was that was designed and built out of a family's experience having uh, a child diagnosed with cancer, and it takes you through the the low and the high moments um, at that point in life, and uh, you move through the emotions that that family dealt with um, as they as as they were dealing with that same thing, and it's a way to really get in there and feel that personal experience um, and connect. So Child's Play has grown since it was founded. In what ways has has it changed since it was founded? Um, the biggest change really has come in the last couple years when we started doing hospital visits. Previously, Child's Play was very hands-off. We sent, we sent an annual gift out that included games, consoles, uh, movies, iPads, and things like that to hospitals. Um, but after our Gamers Give Back tour started, one of the things that we realized was hospitals are really different, and different facilities have different needs. And um, so we have changed the annual gift. Now it's a little bit smaller in size for an in-kind gift, um, but we also allow them to select what what kind of console they want uh, we're working with a company called fully loaded electronics this year who their name does like they sound they they make xboxes and playstation playstation 4s xbox ones um game boy 3ds's those are the systems we're sending out this year that come fully loaded with about 12 to 18 games on the system they help do the settings so that like the xbox one is not required to be internet connected which is a big problem in some hospitals because of hipaa concerns they don't want internet on their on their xboxes or just hospital network size um, so they were able to select what console works best for them. And then we also split so that we send the child life staff a check so that they can really go out and get things that they need because some facilities will need 
carts that they can wheel things in and out of rooms on because they don't have the ability to have a game system in every single room. Um, other facilities will need a mounting bracket so that they can mount the consoles inside every single room. So since we've been visiting with, with child life staff, we've really changed sort of that interaction and have become much more active in how we, how we give to them and, and finding tools that we can present to them because they're, they can be disconnected from each other. And so when one finds a really cool solution, we really go out of our way to share it now with our partner facilities and say, here, this is what these people found as a solution to this problem. Maybe it'll work for you. Maybe it'll point you to something that'll help get you there. So how can listeners help out? How can they get involved? You've mentioned uh, mentioned some different ways. Uh, so where can you point them to to get started? Well, childsplaycharity.org is a great place to go check out. Um, you can definitely learn more about us and see what we're, what we're doing. We have a couple events. If you're in the Seattle area, we have a dinner auction that we do early in December every year. And, um, we have a summer fair and table tennis tournament that happens this year. It's July 22nd, but happens in the summertime. Um, but in it also, there's ways to plan your own event. So our fundraising guide is there, um, that shows how to do it, shows you how to create the donation widget. Um, it also has, connects you to our event calendar so you can see what else is going on, um, and find events that are happening so that you could, you know, you might not feel, they might not feel ready to do a stream of their own, but they can find a stream that somebody else is doing and get involved that way as well. Also on there, there's a donation map so you can look and you can find a hospital that we partner with near you. So we have 115 hospitals in the U.S. and then, like I said, some more internationally. So you can probably find a children's hospital real close to you. Unless you're in Wyoming, that's one of the states that we don't have. And if you work in a children's hospital in Wyoming, get in contact with us. We want to get all 50 states covered. But you can find a hospital and click on the hospital and it'll take you to an Amazon list that we curate for them. But we, I guess curate isn't the right word. We manage. They send us the list of things that they want. So the stuff on the list is direct asks from the child life staff that, that their department needs. That's awesome. So, so it's very targeted that you can give something that was specifically asked for to fill a need in that hospital. Yeah. That's awesome. I guess I have one question uh, before we go. I'm guessing that that you have some, you know, you work for a charity that's all about helping people, helping people with games. I guess for you, what do games mean to you and how have they played a role in, in shaping your life? Um, games are how... I interact with my friends, you know, I, I play sports games with like, oh, I, I growing up played basketball, I played baseball, so I played those sports, but we also played, you know, Warcraft together and Diablo together. Um, and it was just another way that my friends and I, or, or even, uh, D and D, all those kinds of games as a way to get together with my friends. Um, it's a very social interaction for me and bond with them. I have, uh, one of my really good friends now is someone I met playing World of Warcraft who lives in Juneau, Alaska. Um, you know, and I'm in Seattle, right? We would have never met had we not been playing Warcraft, but he and I are great friends and, um, and it's games that, that brought us together. It's games that when I go back and, and hang out with my friends from college, this is still what we do. We've morphed 
from video games into board games because we can play video games together anytime. They allow us to connect, you know, Friday nights. We can sit down and get together and play games online. Uh, so when we get together in person, we get a chance to break out lots of board games and and play those. But they're they're the way we connect. Yeah, and it's great that that's that's another dimension that these games that are given to hospitals that they can help be kind of the catalyst for these kids in the hospitals to connect with people and to make friends, you know, add, add that social element that, uh, that is sometimes lacking in, in a hospital atmosphere. Yeah. And it can be a great groundbreaker if you both sort of end up in, you know, the teen lounge and you don't really know what to say to each other. And you both pick up a controller and you start playing some, you know, Madden together or, or, or whatever game is there in the system, uh, right away, you've got an instant connection. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're, even if you're playing, you know, against each other as opposed to on the same team, you get a chance to sort of build that rivalry and have fun and, and connect that way. And depending on different hospital facilities and, and what their networks are set up like, you can still play with your friends at home, you know, and that's a great way for a kid who might otherwise feel very cut off from their social group because they're in the hospital, they're not at school anymore, they're not able to go out on the weekends and get together with their friends. If they can sit down and play Minecraft with their friends, that's perfect. That's, you know, that's a way for them to stay connected to friends and family that that few things other than games offer. Yeah, that, that reminds me of um, superheroes are really big in, in children's hospitals because having power and winning and feeling like you're in control are, are a really big deal. And that's something that, that I think games are great at providing that they, they give you that sense of accomplishment. They give you powers in the game that you don't normally have, and you can beat evil and you can make a difference in the game. And it, it gives you that sense of strength and in a, in a game, you're never helpless. And it's, uh, it's good that, that a game can help bring that feeling of, you know, strengthen a time that they're often helpless. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is, uh, that is what makes the child life staff members in hospitals, the unsung heroes of, of children's hospitals. They, you know, the doctors and the nurses are amazing and they, they deal with that, that physical healing. Um, but child life staff is the one that's there that help with that emotional side of things. And they help give kids that power uh, through play with games, with each other, um, helping them stay on track with their education so that when they do get back out of the hospital, they're not, you know, someone who went in in the beginning of third grade and got out middle of the year fourth grade from a hospital because they were in for over a year. They don't have to go back into third grade. They can move right back in with their with their peers. Um, and so being able to support a child life staff, uh, the child life staff at our partner hospitals has been an amazing thing and meeting them and, and helping give them these tools and helping share the love of the gaming community with them has, has been amazing is it's, it is amazing what, what our community allows us to do and what, what those people do with, with the resources that we donate to them through child's play. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know after talking to you, I'm even more excited about what child's play is doing. And uh, I hope my listeners are equally excited and, you know, are generous in helping out. And uh, I'm really grateful for you uh, coming on the show and talking with me today. 
Well, thank you so much for having us, and and a preemptive thank you to all your listeners who hear this and get involved in any way, even if what you do is just go watch a stream that somebody else does and, and donate a couple bucks there. They make all the difference in the life of those kids. I had a great time talking with Travis and learning about Child's Play. It's really encouraging to see gamers coming together and making a difference. No one knows better than we do how much difference that a game can make for our mood or outlook and for making friends. So check out Child's Play and see how you can join in the fun. There's a couple things I want to let you guys know about. First of all, there's another show on the Podglomerate Network called The Feast, and their second season has just launched, and their most recent episode is awesome. It's about food in space. I'm talking about astronauts smuggling food up into space, how bread, one of the most basic foods on Earth, is actually banned in space and why. Definitely take a listen to that episode and then subscribe to get more stories about food from history and the place of cuisine in culture. Definitely check it out. That's The Feast. You can find that in iTunes or Spotify and a variety of other places. And next, so last week, thousands of new people found this podcast, and that is crazy. Uh, that just blows my mind that there, that so many people have found the show and have started listening. And with all those new people, I want to hear from you. I've gotten a chance to talk to you. I want you all to have an opportunity to talk to me. You can always find the show on Twitter. That's at 7 underscore intelligence. You can email me at chess at plus7intelligence.com. That's chess with one S. And for the next few days, you actually have a special opportunity because the website Quora has given me an opportunity to talk to people in one of their Quora sessions. Now, Quora is a, a question and answer site, and a session is a special opportunity that's focused on one individual to do a Q&A. You can always submit questions to me in email and through social media. But what's great about this is that it gives you an opportunity to see what questions other people are asking, and you can follow those answers. So that shows me which questions that people are interested in. So that gives me a guide for what kind of questions I should be answering. Since Quora is all about high-quality answers, I'm really going to put some time into those answers. So I'm hoping that you guys will get something that's, uh, that's interesting and will tell you about the show and about me. So reach out. Ask some questions on Quora. Tell me on Twitter that you're listening. Send me an email. I'm always listening, and I look forward to it. Everything you need to do that, it will be in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed today's Intelligence Boost. Next week, I am talking with Tyler Rennell about Habitica, a website slash app that allows you to turn your life into a video game. I'll see you in seven. You might know about climate change, but do you know how it's changing life on our coasts? 
I'm Carlisle Calhoun, co-host of Sea Change, the award-nominated podcast from WWNO, New Orleans Public Radio, and PRX. Each episode, we dive deep into the environmental issues facing coastal communities, bringing you stories that go beyond the headlines, from species under threat to climate migration. Because we have a lot to save, and it's time to talk about a sea change. Listen to new episodes of Sea Change wherever you get your podcasts.